All right, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. If you don't have a traditional Bible but you'd like one, just raise your hand and one of these people will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your digital device and open up the version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and all the scriptures are already in there. Everything except for a couple of pictures. I did like switch Bibles because uh, the cover literally fell off my Bible this week. And that's like a great, you're like, you feel like, wow. Like when you messed your Bible up so bad, I didn't do it like throwing it underneath my car or like, you know, I just, it just got so worn out. And so actually I was talking to some friends this week and another guy reminded me, he said, hey, if your Bible isn't worn out, your life probably is. And so if you're watching us live online or at one of our many services at the Brown County Correctional Facility or at our Howard Swamico site, which by the way, this week for the first time, we got a hello card back from our Howard Swamico site and somebody checked that they had decided to follow Jesus. So somebody give God some praise today, would you? <laughs> so glad that all of those different opportunities, 22 services at the Brown County Jail. I mean, I'm so excited about what God is doing and what God is gonna do in 2020. So glad that all of you guys are a part of our family. But friends, we are at war. We are under attack on our culture, at our core. We are under attack. And we're under attack from a very real enemy. An enemy who has many names, but really just one purpose, which is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so to defeat our enemy, we have to engage our enemy. But to engage our enemy, we have to identify our enemy. And so last week, Pastor Sonny talked about Lucifer, which means light bearer. And she brought out the fact that he attacks us with pride and that we overcome pride with worship. But today I want to talk to you about another name of our enemy. And I want to share that in a message that we're calling, hmm, could it be Satan. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. We're grateful to you, grateful for you, for all that you do, for all that you are. God, the fact that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us, but more importantly, you never will. Because God, you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So today, God, I pray a covering over my friends, God, that you would well up within us. The thing that's beautiful, God, is you don't have to visit us. You are here before we got here, and God, you'll be in us when we leave. And so today, I pray a protection over every person in this place, God, that you would become bigger in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the fact that everybody over 40 laughed at that thing. Anybody under 40 was like, who's that weird lady that was on the screen not knowing that it was one of the great comedians of all time, uh, Dana Carvey? And so Satan... Over time, in our culture, in our minds, has become an anecdote. He has become a punchline. He has become somewhat of a cartoon character with his little horns and pointed tail and his little pitchfork. He has become the yin to the chubby cartoon cherub's yang, one sitting on one shoulder and one sitting on the other. He's almost become a plush toy. He's, he's almost become something cute. He's almost become like the bad version of what Pastor Sonny calls a pocket person. And, and underestimation has become one of Satan's craftiest weapons. He wants us to view him as our playmate or as our pet. But friend, unequivocally, let me say that he is neither. 
The name Satan means adversary. It means opponent. And that adversary or that opponent is in direct opposition to anything good that God wants to do in your life. And Satan has used underestimation flawlessly, causing a huge number of people to think he's completely made up, even in religious circles. Pastor Sonny just said last week that 60% of church people, y'all, church folk, don't even believe that there is a hell or don't even believe that there is a devil, which by the way, Satan loves. He loves this underestimation. He loves this idea that you don't believe in him because guess what, he don't believe in you either. And so he, it gives him this ability to plan his attack from the inside out, which is why 1 Peter 5 says, be sober, different kind, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he walks around like a roaring lion Seeking whom he, watch this, may devour. That word may there actually in the original language means permission. If the scripture were to have said that he's seeking someone who he can devour, it would speak of his ability, but he's not looking for someone he has the ability to overcome. What he's looking for is someone who has given him permission to overcome, that, that has opened up an invitation, that, that has given him permission with their lifestyle, that has given him permission with their thoughts, that has given him permission in their marriage with some of the fleeting thoughts that you have about your coworker, that has given him permission with your, mm, your proclivity to sniff an extra time of that coworker's perfume. He's looking for someone who has given him permission with their remote on their television, someone who has given him permission with the things that they'll scroll, the things that they'll link on on their phone or on their iPad, the, the websites that you delete off your computer before anybody else can get access for. He's prowling around looking for someone who will give him permission to destroy them. So what do we do? We resist him. Different word than what Pastor Sonny talked about last week. She said, God resists the proud. And she said, it's not a hands out, it is a hands up. This, however, is not a hands up. This is a hands out. This is a stiff arm. What should we do? We should put distance. We should jam him up. We, we should put hands on him. We should resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing, watch this, that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And I had a different thought this week on that scripture than I had ever had before. It is a call to action, that scripture. It is a call to arms for you and I to understand that other people, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our spouses, our kids are also under the same suffering. So if someone doesn't resist him, he will overcome us all resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But how, how do we resist him? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, I love this word, against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I was thinking this this week. I love that it says against the rulers of darkness of this age. I think the closer we get to Jesus, 
the stronger the principalities become. I think where it says of this age, whatever age we live in, those principalities, those powers of darkness have become stronger. I believe that the attack on us is stronger than the attack that has ever been on any generation before because this is the generation that is closest that has ever been to the return of Jesus, which is the most obvious statement of all time because it's like saying I'm the oldest I've ever been. And so there is this like closeness that has happened to this coming, this, this catching away. And there's a whole culture of people in the church world even that will try to tell us that there is no such thing as something called a rapture. But when you live your life like there is no imminence, like there is nothing that could just suddenly happen, you, you will live your life in comfort. And God didn't call us to live our lives in comfort. He called us to live our lives with an awareness, with this idea that he could come at any time, that we could pass at any time. Generations before us used to wake up, and if they didn't see somebody at the house, they called the oldest, most saved person that they ever knew. They called their grandma. If grandma answers the phone, Jesus didn't come yet. So there has to be this thought, this imminence. He says, so take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and then having done all, stand. And here, the writer's actually using the image of a Roman soldier. The, the people who read this originally would have been very familiar with this imagery. It, it is this idea, this image of a Roman soldier preparing for battle. He couldn't have been any clearer that we are at war, but gratefully God has given us a weapon. Watch this. He says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus clearly states he's given you, he's given me, he's given us authority over the enemy if we'll take it, if we'll use it. If we'll use the authority that God has given us, nothing can hurt us. But if we don't use the authority that God has given us, we're going to get hurt. And so what you need to understand today is that Scripture is that authority. And, and so, so it's clearly telling us that we have an adversary, but we also, on the flip side, have authority. So with that in mind, I want to ask and answer three questions today. Number one... Why is Satan our enemy? Why is he even messing with us? Why does he even care about you? Why does he get up out your Kool-Aid? Like, why is he our enemy? Number two, why can Satan defeat some people, but he can't defeat others? And number three, how do we protect ourselves and our families from him? And so I want to ask and want to answer those three questions today, starting with number one, why is Satan our enemy? Why is he our adversary? What is his problem? What did we ever do to him? And the answer to this one's real simple. It's just one word, and it is Jesus. Satan is the enemy of truth, but Jesus is the truth. Scripture says he is the way, the truth, the life. Scripture says he is the eternal word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Which, let me side note, take a little pause and say, if you're not walking According to the word of God, he's not your adversary. And the enemy's not your adversary because you have become his accomplice. Jesus said, he who sins is a slave 
to sin. And when he's talking there, he's not talking about action. That scripture is not talking about the act of sin. It's talking about walking in sin. Every one of us sins every single day. I believe that's why the scriptures say, for all have sinned, watch this, and fall short of the glory of God. And so you have a closed statement and an open statement. For all have sinned and fall. That is a, in, in the language, that is a continual statement that we fall short of the glory of God. And until Jesus returns or until we return to him, we will continually fall. So there is constant acts of sin, but there is a difference between committing a sin and walking in sin. And so for some of you, you are walking in sin. You are walking in lies. You are walking in deception. You are walking in negativity. You are walking in gossip, which incidentally, when you are walking in gossip, you are walking in the power of witchcraft. Scripture compares the two to one another. So next time you want to talk about somebody behind their back, get your big bowl and brew up some brew and talk about, <laughs> I'm get you, my pretty. Y'all like that sound just like her, didn't I? I practiced that all week. Some of you aren't sinning. You're walking in sin. And when you're walking in sin, he is not your adversary because he don't think nothing about you. Why would he waste his time on you? He doesn't need to waste his time on you. You've already been defeated. But when you walk in Jesus, he instantly focuses on you. Because when you magnify the Lord, the enemy manifests against you. And he manifests against the message of your mission, which Jesus told the apostle Paul in the book of Acts was to open people's eyes and turn them from darkness to the light. And the light is the word of God, scripture. And so Billy Graham said one time that you may be the bi only Bible that, in, that somebody ever reads. Can you fathom that? Can you believe being scripture in the flesh? Can you, can you actually imagine being this in someone's life? Your mission, the, the message of the mission of your life is to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God, and we do that with our lifestyle. We do that with our change. We do that with our integrity. We do that actually with our love. Jesus said they, they will know we're his people by our love. And so Satan is full of lies, but scripture is full of truth. And Jesus said that you will know that truth and that truth will set you free. So he's given us authority if we'll take it, if we'll Use it. You know, you're under the authority of whoever advice you're following. Whoever is the influence over your life. Whoever is that person whose words that you're repeating. You ever have some words that somebody spoke to you, they said to you, that you have repeated all your life, no matter how stupid that thing sounds? Have you ever had somebody tell you, like when you were a kid, here's an example. I have an older brother. He's a doctor. He's very smart. He is a psychologist. He, he never got lower than an A ever in school. He had a 4.0 all the way through kindergarten. He was the best Play-Doh maker of all the Play-Doh makers. He, he knew how to play in the sand better than anybody. He could play in the sand and not get dirty. He just, kindergarten, 4.0. First grade, second grade, all the way through. He was reading before anybody was reading. He was so smart. He would come home from school every single day and he would spend at least an hour studying. And I was like, nerd. And then I got a 2.2 and he got a 4.0 and he's a loser. And so that, you know, I, I love him, but I always thought he was like super smart and he is super smart. But he, he told me one time that if you're hot, 
drink a hot beverage and it'll cool you down. About two years ago, Sunny looked at me, she said, that is so dumb. Have you ever drank a hot beverage when you're hot and got cool? I said, shut up. <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking about. And it's just like one of those things that it was like something that you live your life by. What uh, life skills will call that a life command. Like there's a life command that was spoken over you and some of you are living under something but for you it's not as humorous as a brother telling you drink hot when you're hot. It was somebody telling that you were fat or that you were lazy or that you were ugly or that you were worthless or that you were small and they've spoken that over you and they said that when you were in your formative years and so that has formed the foundation of who you are. You are under the authority of whoever's advice you're following and the enemy's trying to speak death over you. And so if you're following him, he's not attacking you because he's already got you. But when I became a Jesus person, I became a target. Before I was a Jesus person, y'all, I was never under attack, which may have been a quiet life, but it wasn't a peaceful life. And if I'm being totally frank, the only reason that I turned to Jesus is because sin lied to me. Sin never had the promised rate of return. Never one time did I get high and think, yep, this is exactly what I was looking for. I, I didn't never one time go out and drink too much on a Friday night and do something I regretted and wake up in the wrong place and talk about, yeah, man, that's exactly what I was looking for. You didn't either. You've never sinned and went, yeah, that's exactly the feeling that I've been looking for. Not like I never sinned and felt guilty though. I felt lonely. I felt empty. But I never felt guilty before Jesus because I was a great sinner, faithful sinner, loyal sinner. The problem was it never paid out what it promised. How could it? The whole thing is built on, based on lies. In fact, scripture says this about the enemy. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and he is the father of it. But Jesus right before that came along and he said, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Why is Satan our enemy? Because he is the enemy of truth. Here's the second question. Why can Satan defeat some people, but not others? Here's the answer. Because some people are protected by the word of God, while others are not. Let me give you a statement that's going to mess with your theology. Some people are saved, but they are not safe. Satan opposes us because we believe in the word of God and because we're committed to its truth. Let me show you. Jesus said... Therefore, anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Here's the question. What is the foundation that you're building on? What are you building your marriage, your family, your friendships, your finances, your career on? We're all building. The building is not the question. 
the information that you're using to form the foundation of that building is the thing that is in question. Scripture promises us one thing. In the end, we win. <laughs> just read this. Listen, I just was pretty excited about this because a piece of my Bible just fell out, which is pretty dope. And so if you get, not to the maps part, right? But if you get to like the last page, there's, a, there's sometimes you read the last page of a book, it wrecks the whole book, and then you don't have to read the rest of the book. But listen, if you get to the end, let me, spoiler alert, we win, he loses. And sometimes people say, well, why does he fight so hard against the sin? Here's why. Get this. Because he doesn't have all the information. He actually thinks he has a chance to win. The devil hasn't read the last part where we win. Why? Because he is incapable of knowing the truth. But you're not. In the end, we win. So the only guarantee to your success is the foundation of God's word. It says, whoever hears these words and does them. It's like a wise man who builds on the rock. On the flip side, whoever hears these words and does not do them is like a foolish man who built on the sand. To which we think, well, why would anybody choose the sand rather than the rock? Two reasons. Sand is comfortable and sand is conformable. Sand adjusts to you. In our culture, so many people want a conformable custom Jesus. Who lets us choose which parts of the scripture we incorporate and which parts we don't? But this book is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. So we want a Jesus who conforms and comforts. But listen, sand may be comfortable, Sand may be conformable, but what it is mostly is unstable. So as the old gospel song says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Scripture says storms are going to come, and the only safety we have in the storm is the security of Scripture. So if your marriage isn't founded on the Scripture, when tough times come, it's going to crumble. If you don't raise your kids on the foundation of Scripture, they will crumble when tough times come, even though the Proverbs promises us, train up a child in the way that they should go, and in the end, they won't depart from it. If you don't manage your finances based on the Word of God, you may have resources, but in the words of the great philosopher Mick Jagger, you can't get no satisfaction. What's the foundation of your funds? Listen, newsflash, let me build on what Pastor Sonny said last week. God wants to bless you. Now, I'm not some name it, claim it, buy your own jet kind of guy, but he wants you to prosper. That's why the Proverbs said, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. That doesn't just mean money. Let me just be clear. That means maybe your marriage is rich. That means maybe your kids are rich. Because you can have all the money in the world and have some crazy kids and, and lay your head on the bed at night and be sad. I'm just saying, if you give your life to this word, this word will give life to you. And the blessing of the Lord comes from the word of the Lord. Why can Satan defeat some people but not others? Because some people are saved, but they aren't safe. We're saved because of the blood of Jesus. We're safe because of the word of God. He said, so take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know in that whole list, this is the only weapon? Our only weapon 
is scripture, and it is powerful. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even at the division of the soul and of the spirit and of joints and of marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Watch. When Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days without food, in his most weakened state, he was attacked by Satan. And when he was attacked by the oppressor, he used his only weapon. And his response every time was, it is written. He didn't need any physical strength. And that was to show us that the power isn't in us. The power is in the word of God. So when the word comes in you, it chases the enemy from you. But before Satan can defeat you, he has to disarm you which means we cannot have a casual relationship with the word of God. It has to control how we act, how we think, how we speak. Are you negative, doubtful, discouraged, loose-lipped? Then Satan is defeating you. But when the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart become pleasing to God, you are defeating Satan because Satan fears God's word. He doesn't fear mine. Here's the third question. How do we protect ourselves and our family from Satan? And here is the answer through a total commitment to God's word, not a casual commitment, a total commitment to God's word. The 119th Psalm says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path because the wicked have laid up a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. So watch this. God's word is a sword, which is offensive, and it is a light which is defensive because as sure as God has a plan for your life, the adversary has a plan for your life. And the only way to expose his traps is the light, God's word. When you have a total commitment to God's word, you have a weapon in one hand and a light in the other so you can't be devoured. You can be attacked and guess what y'all, I promise, 100% money back guaranteed, you will be attacked, especially for my friends here that you've just finished a fast and you abstained from something for 21 days and you know you focused on something and you prayed about something and now now we're focusing on spiritual warfare and you know there's two things if you don't want to be attacked don't pray for them patience or protection you minute you start praying for patience, everybody's gonna go slow in front of you. The minute you start praying for patience, everybody will get on your single last nerve. And so they say, don't pray for patience and don't pray for protection. Because when you start talking about spiritual warfare and you start revealing the plans of the enemy's attack, it's like seeing a perfectly harmless hornet's nest and going, where can I find me a sharp stick that I can poke a hole in that thing and just see how many times I can get stung by an angry hornet. He's like, listen, you're gonna be attacked. But when his word is in you, you're going to start to see the attacks before they come. And so your marriage won't be devoured because you'll have already worked on it. Your kids won't be devoured because you'll have already poured into them. Your finances won't be devoured because you already turned them over to God. Because when you know you're going to be attacked, you're going to be prepared for the attack. You'll have secured your foundation on the rock, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus, through whom we can come to the Father and combat the enemy. Have you done that? If you haven't, you can before you leave here today. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Salvation at its core. It's a very churchy word. What it really means is a rescuing. 
every single one of us will come to a point in our life where we have a spiritual revelation where we will realize that everything that we've tried has not and will not work that our lives are in ruins that they are falling apart and that we need to be rescued and so the only way that we can be rescued spiritually is to call on our Savior or our rescuer Jesus and submit our lives to Jesus that's what salvation is it is coming to the Father so you can combat the enemy in the church we use words like that you'll receive him as your Lord and Savior what your Lord is is just somebody who has control what your Savior is is somebody who can rescue you so if you're here you say, Sean, my life is a wreck. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I haven't turned over control, and I haven't allowed him to rescue me. We're going to give you the opportunity to do that today. Here's how. To, to receive Jesus, you really have to do two things that are one act. You have to confess and profess. Confess that you are a sinner and profess that you believe he can save you. And so this morning, we're going to give you opportunity to do both of those things. And here's how. Just a minute, with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask for people who want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact, you can put your hand down. Here's what that is. That is your act of confession, confessing that you are a sinner and you want to be changed. Then we're going to have a profession where I say a prayer and everyone in here, not just you, where everyone in here repeats it after me. And scripture says, if you say that with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you are saved you begin this journey away from where you are toward where God wants you to be which is like Jesus and so if you're here you say Sean I don't have a relationship with Jesus I want to be rescued I want to be saved with nobody looking around would you raise your hand and make eye contact me here thanks 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 thank you thanks thank you thanks thanks thank you thank you thank you thanks 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 Okay, everybody in here, I want you to say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life, change me, make me different, make me new. Be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and believed it in your heart, you, you've been saved. You're in this family of Jesus people, and so we want the opportunity to help you to walk alongside you. And so if you take that hello card that we talked about earlier, tear off the bottom part, fill in whatever information you're okay with us having, check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. If you're online, I want you to message our online team and let them know that you made that decision and give them your contact information. If you're here, just put it in the black buckets when they come around or take it out to the Welcome Center. Either way, we have that packet for you. Inside is a three-month daily devotional and a CD that is a 12-minute presentation about how to make the next logical step. So I want you to close your eyes again. Don't leave. We're not done. We're going to close out here in just a second. But I wonder if you're hearing you say, I'm saved. I'm a Jesus girl or I'm a Jesus guy. But Sean, I'm under attack. I don't know what part of your life is under attack. Maybe every part of your life is under attack. But if you're in here and you're feeling the pressure and you feel like you're under attack, I want the opportunity to pray for you. So if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand all across this place just so I can pray for you. Yes, so many people. God, for so many people, for my friends in this place, God, we love you and we honor you. Thank you that your word is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet, God. And so reveal the attacks of the enemy, even this week, God so that we can prepare ourselves, and we'll love you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.